Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. wants us to talk with him. He wants us to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we get close to him, uh, that God does things in our life. He, he doesn't want us just to accept him as Savior and then that's it. But he wants to build a close, intimate fellowship with each and every one of us. And we've been working our way through this series and we're getting towards the end. We'll be finishing up the series tonight. But as for now, we're looking in the book of 1 John in chapter number 5. The book of 1 John and chapter number 5. And notice with me, 1 John chapter 5, notice with me starting at verse number 1. 1 John chapter 5 verse 1, the word of God says this. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him and that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son." He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 John in chapter number 5? In 1 John chapter 5, and notice in verse number 9, notice the phrase, the witness of God is greater. The witness of God is is greater. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to preach this message now. The witness of God is greater. And if you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you now, I'm just asking that you would just please give clarity of mind and clarity of thought. That as we come up to try to be a blessing to these good folks this morning, 
that I know that there's no good thing in me. I now surrender my thoughts, my desires, my ambitions, my goals, what I want to get accomplished, and I give them all to you. And I ask that you fill me with your precious spirit and that you get your own work accomplished for the purpose that we can know more about your son, know more about you, Jesus, and that we would have a desire to get intimate and close with you, that we would examine our own lives and that we would see that the witness of God is greater. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When you compare apples and oranges together, when you compare things together, we know that there is a great God who created the world. He created the heavens. He is the God who made everything. And next to, to God, what is man that thou were mindful of him? We are nothing. We're nothing compared to God. We recognize that and we explained that this morning in Sunday school. We are nothing. That God is the God of the universe. When we come to the idea that the witness of God is greater, sometimes we think in our mind, well, of course, because God is God. But how often is it that we accept the witness of man and what man says over what God says in his word? That the witness of God is greater. If I could remind you of the context that the Apostle John is writing towards the end of his life. The date is close to 90 AD. And as he's writing this, he's having to deal with a controversy that has come into this church. Remember, there's been about two or three generations that have come and gone since the time that Jesus Christ walked on this earth, that he died and that he was buried. He rose again and he dwelt among the people for 40 days and then he ascended up to heaven where he's there today waiting for his return. Two or three generations have come in the church and there's been a, a false teaching that's been coming around during that time that's saying that Jesus... If he was God, he didn't come in flesh because there's no way that God would ever come in the flesh. And so Jesus, if he was a man, he may have some holy attributes or maybe God put his spirit on him. But there was no way that God robed himself in flesh and that, that was the God-man, Jesus Christ. Yet the Bible very clearly says that God robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us. But there was a controversy coming up saying, no, you know, it, Jesus... He wasn't God in the flesh, and that was a falsehood. And so the Apostle John, who is the last living apostle, he's old and elderly, and you can almost hear him as he's been hearing people say, Jesus didn't come in the flesh, Jesus didn't come in the flesh. You can almost hear him say, whoa. So finally, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle John says, I want to tell you something. You almost think of an old grandfather, an elder, someone very well respected, taking some of these young Preacher boys, whippersnappers, these college kids who know everything but know nothing. And setting them aside and say, let me tell you something. Jesus is real. I touched him. I ate with him. I handled the word of life. Jesus was God, robed in flesh. And I was there. I saw him. It's true. It's true. And so this is the context that's going on. We explain through 1 John over and over that the center of every religion has to answer the basic question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And we understand that there are several different Jesuses around that we're trying to find the Jesus of the Bible.
That we understand that every religion, every Christian religion that's not Bible-based, that is not pulling their doctrine straight from the Bible, they alter Jesus some way, somehow. And it's all a question, who is Jesus? And so with this idea still in the context that there are some people that have been misusing who Jesus is, trying to twist and trying to form Jesus into their own image, we have the phrase, the witness of God is greater. It doesn't matter what man says about Jesus. It matters about what God says about Jesus. So the witness of God is greater. So with this in mind, let's look and see what the Apostle John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes about who Jesus is and our interaction with this Jesus. Notice the first thing I'd like to show you is obedience to God. Obedience to God. Notice with me starting in verse number 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begot that is begotten, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Here it's saying there's a relationship to be had that if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, realizing that you're a sinner and because of your sin you have offended a holy, righteous God, but that you recognize that Jesus is God robed in flesh who died for our sins and we personally accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, that there's going to be a relationship that we have with Jesus and ourselves, that we are going to love God. We're going to love Christ. For someone who says that they're a Christian, who says that they're saved, who says that they're religious, and they don't love Jesus, there is something wrong. Now again, you would almost say, well, duh, to coin a term, duh. But you know, there's a lot of people who don't love Jesus. And you say, well, Words are cheap, and we explained that earlier in the book of 1 John. Words are cheap. Anyone can say, I love you. For example, I can say, I love my wife. And what I could do is I could get a chair and put my arm on a table, and I could just say, I just love you. I just adore you. And just stare. And just soak it all in. And after a while, she'd start getting uncomfortable. Then it comes time for me to go to work. And I say, no, no, no. I don't want to do anything. I just want to adore you. You know one of the reasons why we work? Because I love her. Because I love my kids. There are things that I ought to do. There are some actions. Love always produces action. Love is not just a fuzzy feeling. If you get the fuzzy feeling, that's a bonus. But you know what love is? Love is a commitment. Love, I commit to take care of you. It's when you do your wedding vows, right? Sickness and pain, sorrow, death, tears, all of that stuff. Good times, bad times. And, you know, it doesn't sometimes seem like we have more bad times than good times. We have more health problems than we have the good. You know, sometimes we can go through those things. But you know what love is? I commit to take care of her even to the cost of myself. And so when you say, I love Jesus, woohoo! But I don't want to obey Jesus. That's a problem. That's not the love that we're supposed to have. We could all have a fuzzy feeling and and get the lighters out and sing songs, but then go out and do our own thing. We don't love Jesus. 
Again, this is what it's taking. The witness of God is greater. It's not my idea. It's not my words. Look at what the Bible has to say. Notice in verse number two. By this we know. I love that word know. To have knowledge, to have evidence, to have proof of. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments. You want to prove that you're a Christian? Keep his commandments. That's pretty simple, isn't it? You know, if you love God, you have no problems obeying what he says. You know, because I love my wife, there are certain things that I choose not to do because I love her. Maybe there's something that annoys her. I choose not to do it because I love her. Because I love her, there, there's a change of behavior. There's a change of action. Because I love God, I have no problems obeying his commandments, which brings me to verse number three. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Notice this. And his commandments are not grievous. You know, if your love for God is where it should be, you don't have any problems obeying God. In fact, as a Christian, you don't need a list of things to do. Well, in order to be a Christian, I have, a good Christian, I have to do this and this and this. You know, if you love God and you want to be pleasing to Him, you don't need a list. You automatically do those things with no problems whatsoever. It's when we don't love God as we ought that we have problems in obedience. I hear all the time, not from this crowd here, and I'm thankful for it, but I hear all the time someone Oh, man, I have to go to church. I don't want to go to church. You know, you'll talk to them about reading their Bible. I don't want to read my Bible. Oh, you know, it's just a waste of my time. It's not a big deal. Well, if you love the Lord, that's not the attitude that you have. What it's doing is showing that there's a problem with our love problem. And someone will say, well, I can love Jesus and not go to church. Not according to the Bible. You can be a Christian and not go to church. You know, that's a good example of a bad Christian. But you can't love the Lord and disobey His commandments. And it's not a burden. It's something you want to do. I love Jesus. I love the Lord. So it's no problem to read the Bible. Because I love the Lord, it's no problem to show up at church and fellowship with His people. Because I love the Lord, it's not a big deal to give unto the Lord my finances, my time, my talents. It's not a big deal at all. It's not a burden. His burden, His commandments are not grievous the word grievous has the idea of a burdensome I've dealt with some Christians over the time and it felt like they had a big weight in fact they would say oh pastor I would have I have such a weight it just feels like I just can't I can't do everything that I'm supposed to do in a Christian life we had um, a lady once who um, my wife was working with and discipling and and she goes Miss Leah, if I did everything that I was supposed to do, if I read my Bible and I went to church and I told people about the Lord, Miss Leah, I wouldn't get my naps in. We scratched our head and said, is that really the issue here? Is that, is that the big deal? That your naps? You see, God's commandments are not grievous. 
They're not a burden. It's not a big deal to serve and love the Lord. And when, when it does get to be a big deal, it's not something wrong with God and it's not something wrong with the Bible. It's something wrong with our love and our commitment unto God. Because his commandments are not a grievous. You know how we can tell that we have the true God in our life, the right Jesus? Well, we have no problem serving and loving him. It's a matter of the heart. Notice, if you wouldn't mind, it talks about his commandments are not grievous. The witness of God is greater in this. How can you tell someone who loves the Lord when they're obeying his commandments? When they're obeying his commandments. Not when they say things, it's when they do things that proves the love. A second thing I'd like to show you as we talk about the witness of God is greater, that not only an obedience to God, but we also see this idea of faith in God. Faith in God. Notice with me in verse number four. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith. Even our faith. You know what faith is? Faith is defined in Hebrews chapter number 12 verse 2 as looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. You know, some people say, well, I need more faith. I need more faith. You know, it's not the amount of faith that you need. It's the object of your faith. Who are you putting your faith in? Are you putting your faith in Jesus? That's where the object of our faith needs to be at. That's where we need to trust. You don't need to trust in man. You don't need to trust in the government. You don't need to trust in the mailman. Have you ever been so poor that you just kind of hope that someone gives you something special in the mail and you check your mailbox hoping that it's something good? Our faith's not in the mailman. Our faith is not in the government. Our faith is in the Lord. That's where it's the object of our faith. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. You know there's a lot to overcome. There's sin, there's the world, there's the flesh, there's the devil. And we can have victory in our life. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. That's where our faith needs to rest at, in Jesus Christ. And as we look unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, as we keep our eyes on Jesus, what happens? Jesus gets the victories in our lives over the things, these obstacles, these things that we have. Notice verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Once again, we're answering the question, who is Jesus? And we need to have the right Jesus to put our faith in. For example, if you have the, the faith of the Jesus of the Mormons, which says that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer, and that there's been many Jesuses throughout all of time, if you put your faith in that Jesus, that's not going to give you the victory that overcomes the world. We understand that the, the Jehovah's Witness Jesus is a created being according to them. It is the firstborn of the creation, meaning what they mean by that is that Jesus is the very first thing that God created. The Bible says that God and Jesus are co God, they are co creator, co eternal, co powerful, that Jesus is God. 
He is not the firstborn. And when you put your faith in the Jehovah's Witness Jesus, your faith, it comes to naught because you don't have your faith in the right object. It all matters who is Jesus. We put our faith in the Jesus of the Bible. He's the one that saves us. He's the one who gives us victory. It depends on who is Jesus. Notice in verse number 6, let's go to define who's the right Jesus. Who is this Jesus? This is he that cometh by water and blood. Even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Here, it's talking about Jesus Christ. Which Jesus are we trusting in? It's the Jesus that came by water. And Jesus that came by blood. Here it is. It's talking about two different bookends that, that surround Jesus' public ministry. How did Jesus' public ministry start? By the baptism by John the Baptist. What he did is he publicly announced his service. By the way, um, you don't have to turn there now. But in Matthew chapter 3, it gives witness of the story here. That when Jesus Christ, he went to go be baptized by John. He showed up and there John looked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. So here's John proclaiming it and everyone's looking at him. And Jesus comes down and says, I need to be baptized. And John says, no, no, no. I need to be baptized by you. You're God. I'm nothing. And Jesus said, suffer it for righteousness sake. Meaning, he says, this is the right thing to do. I'm giving an example. And so when Jesus was baptized, he was put into the Jordan River. He went down and came up. What happened, according to the testimony given in the gospel records, that the Holy Spirit came down as a dove. And descended down. Not only that, the voice of God came so everyone heard and said, This is my son. Hear ye him. And Jesus said later, You know why that voice came? It wasn't for me, it was for all of you. Why? The witness of God is greater. Here you had the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus Christ all at the same place, the same time, to say, This is God, this is something special, this is important. What ended Jesus' public ministry? It was ended by blood. That Jesus Christ, who was God, robed in flesh, dwelt among us, and that he was beaten, he was abused, he was crucified on the cross, and his blood was shed for you and for I. And Jesus died on the cross. And his blood was important. His blood was what washed away our sins. The Bible says there is no remission of uh, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That his blood had to be shed. And so here we see, here's the witness of Jesus. And it has the two capstones, the two bookends of his baptism of water and blood when he was crucified for us. It is this Jesus. No other Jesus will count. There are many people who say that Jesus did not die on the cross. That's not the Jesus that saves. There are some people that said Jesus didn't shed his blood. That is not the Jesus who saves. There are some people that said Jesus was not born of a virgin. That is not the Jesus of the Bible. You see, it all matters who is the Jesus. We're saying the Jesus of the Bible and that the witness of God is greater. 
What does the Bible have to say about this? Notice again in verse number 6. This is he that cometh by water and by and blood. Even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. It is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. So we've already talked about the Holy Spirit earlier in this book. And it's the Holy Spirit that said, this is Jesus. It's this Jesus. This Jesus. Verse number 7 and 8, we're going to talk about there's a witness in heaven and there's a witness on earth. All saying, it is this Jesus, verse number 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. By the way, that is the best verse on the Trinity found in the entire Bible, which unfortunately a lot of modern Bible uh, English versions take that verse out. They take out the clearest verse on the Trinity. But it says up in heaven there are three that bear witness that Jesus is who he said he is, that is Jesus robed in flesh. The Father, which is God, the Word, which is Jesus, and this Holy Ghost. These three are one, the same one, three in one. Say, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. It is this Jesus. But not only that, notice this. Here on earth we have the witness. Verse number 8. And there are three that bear witness in earth. The Spirit and the water, and the blood, these three agree in one. So here we have the three witnesses on earth. We have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of all of us. You know, when you get saved, God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And there's something here on earth we can tell other believers because their spirit bears witness to our spirit. And here we can say, Jesus is real. And it, something inside of us says, it's true. It's true. It's true. Not only that, it says that there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit and the water. Here we have the idea of water baptism. You know what water baptism does? It says that I believe in the Jesus Christ who died, was buried, and that he rose again. And it is a witness for everyone saying, we believe in this Jesus. That's why we don't accept any other um, pictures of baptism. We don't expect, uh, accept sprinkling or pouring because they ruin the picture that Jesus died and that he was buried and that he rose again. That is the picture. That is a witness here on earth that it is this Jesus that we're believing in. The Jesus who died for you and for I. Then notice this. And that in the blood, these three agree to get in one. What do you mean by the blood? Well, if you don't mind, hold your finger here really quick. And turn with me a couple books back to the book of Hebrews. And let's just see what the Bible says about this witness of the blood. Notice, if you wouldn't mind, the book of Hebrews. So if you're in the book of 1 John, the next book over, 2 Peter, 1 Peter, James, Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 12. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 12. And notice in verse 24. Hebrews 12, 24, it says this. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Here we know Abel is the first person who was murdered in the Bible. His blood was shed because he was doing what was right. But you know, Abel's blood was not enough to do anything for us. 
it was only Jesus' blood. That, and when Jesus was on this earth and His blood was shed for us, it brought about a new covenant. It brought about agreement that God is willing to save all of us who allowed Jesus to pay the price for us. Jesus' blood was shed for us here on this earth. And that we have the witnesses that the Spirit, we have the witness of water and the testimony, we have the witness of the blood, that all of these agree. These are witnesses that say, and it is this, Jesus that is true it is the Jesus of the Bible notice if you wouldn't mind verse number nine if we receive the witness of men the witness of God is greater for this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his son do you know that we accept the witness of men we do that's why you have textbooks right you go to school some man wrote that textbook and you believe by faith that it's true. You know, you believe the witness of man. That's why Google was invented, right? You're looking for an article for someone to tell you some truth. But you know, there's a lot of people who are deceived. And there's a lot of deception out there. And there's a lot of things. And so we have men and we want to believe what man says. But man is not always right. That's why the Bible says that if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Hey, if you want to believe some man, a lot of times men will say that they know more than God. What we have to do is we have to go back to see what God said. That's why we have to start at the beginning, that we believe that this Bible is the Word of God. It wasn't written by men. God used men as human instrumentality, but God gave us this book. And it is the witness of this book that is greater than what anybody says. By the way, if I ever say something that's contrary to this book, believe the book! Believe the book because the witness of God is greater. We just need to know what the Bible says and believe what the Bible says about a certain subject. We need to believe the Jesus of the Bible because the witness of God is greater. And the only way we're going to have proper faith, it's not the amount of faith that we have, it is the object of our faith that matters. And we need to have our faith in the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible. Which brings me to one last thing. Eternal life in God. Eternal life in God. Remember the witness of God is greater. So let's see what God says about this eternal life. Notice with me in verse number 10. Verse number 10. It says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Because he believed not on the record that God gave of his son. This is very serious stuff. Verse 10 has a lot of power into it. Here it says, first of all, that he that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself. Once again, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And what happens, the Holy Spirit inside of you says, that Jesus is true, that Jesus is true, that Jesus is true. But notice what it says about someone who doesn't believe on Jesus. Verse 10. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Who's that him there? Made God a liar because he believeth not in the record of, uh, that God gave of his son. What does this mean? When we tell someone, will you please believe in Jesus Christ? They say no. You know why they say no? 
I don't believe the Jesus of the Bible. I don't believe that God can save me. I don't believe that God is good enough. You know what they're saying? God is a liar. I don't believe what he told me. That's dangerous ground, isn't it? Very dangerous ground. You see, it all comes down to the place. Do you believe God or do you not believe God? Because the witness of God is greater. Do you believe what God says in his holy word? Do you believe what God says about different things in the Bible? That's why we need to be people of the book, people of the Bible. We need to have a biblically defensible position. We may have our thoughts and may have our opinions, but we need to stand where the Bible stands because the witness of God is greater. And anytime we go against the Bible, we say God is a liar and I don't believe what he said. By the way, that makes whoever said that wrong too because God is always right. Notice as it goes on in verse 11. It says, And this is the record that God hath given unto us eternal life and that His life is in the Son. Again, it takes us back to a courtroom scene. Here it's using the idea of a record. You want to look at the record? You want to look at the transcribed notes? You want to look at, the, at what was said? Here is the record that God hath given us eternal life. And that eternal life is through His Son. Notice verse number 12. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. How could we illustrate this? Watch this if you wouldn't mind. If I took this pen and said this represented the Son, he that hath the Son hath life. That means if you have Jesus, you also have life. You have eternal life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not eternal life. The question is, what do you do with Jesus? Some people may say, well, I'm sure I'm going to heaven. And we may say, well, how do you know you're going to heaven? They may say, well, because I'm a good person. I've never murdered anyone. I've never killed anybody. But that's not the witness. It's not the record. The thing is, how do you know you're going to heaven? Because I have Jesus. If you, if you have any other way of going to heaven other than Jesus, you don't have eternal life. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's just as simple as this. What do you do with Jesus? We know that the witness of God is greater that God has given us the record of His Son, and that in this record He has given us eternal life, and that eternal life is through His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So I want to ask you, sir, I want to ask you, ma'am, in a very simple way. We did all of this to bring to this one point. Do you have the Son? Has there been a time in your life where you realized, dear friend, that you are a sinner? You know, we're all sinners. There's none righteous. No, not one. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, I'm a pastor, but I've broken the Ten Commandments. Someone go, oh, by the way, you've broken the Ten Commandments too. The Bible says in the Ten Commandments, thou shall not bear false witness. We could summarize it and say, don't tell lies. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Right? 
If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar now, right? We've all told lies. All of us have. By the way, no one ever taught us how to tell lies. We were liars from the time we could lie, right? You get the little baby who's in the, he's in the crib in the middle of the night and just screaming, wah, wah, and you're like, is he dying? You know, is food, dirty diapers, a diaper pin pushing into him, and you go in there and try to figure out what's wrong, and the baby goes, goo. Just wanted attention. It was lying. It didn't need anything. It wasn't hurt. It wasn't starving. It was just lying to try to get you in there, Right? No one had to teach them to lie. No one had to teach a kid how to steal cookie from the cookie jar, right? There's no courses that you have little two-year-olds that say, all right, now we got to teach you how to survive. All right, this is how to steal. Why, why don't we have classes like that? Because they're sinners already. The Bible says, as another Ten Commandment, to honor thy father and thy mother, basically to obey your folks. How many of you ever disobeyed your folks before? And this is a good time for the parents to look down and make sure the kids are raising their hands, right? Yep. Have you ever disobeyed your folks? Of course, we all have. We all have. You know what that makes us? It makes us sinners. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. That because we've all told lies, because we've disobeyed our folks, that we owe God a debt, and that debt is death. We deserve to die. We deserve to be separated from God. And when we die, there's only two places to go. A wonderful place called heaven or an awful place called hell. But God didn't want us to go to that awful place called hell. So he finished off the verse in Romans 6.23 where he said, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8, For God commendeth his love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again to give us brand new life, eternal life. And that all we have to do is believe that he died and that he was enough. That Jesus, when he died on the cross... His blood was enough to pay and forgive every sin we've ever done. So the question I want to ask you, dear friend, do you have the Son? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you have the Son? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you have the Son? Then if you have the Son... You have life. But if you've never come to the place where you've accepted Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior, then dear friend, I'm going to be honest with you and I'm going to tell you according to the Bible because the witness of God is greater that you don't have life. You don't have life. You say, but I've been a good person. If you haven't accepted Jesus, you don't have life. You say, but, but I've never killed anybody. I'm sorry, but if you haven't accepted Jesus, you don't have life. But I'm a church member. I'm sorry, but if you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. You say, but I own a Bible. I'm sorry, but if you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. 
So the question I want to bring to you, knowing that the witness of God is greater, is are you 100% sure that you're going to heaven? You say, but I feel like I am. That's not what I'm asking you. The witness of God is greater. Let me ask it this way. Do you know from the Bible that you're going to heaven? Not because you feel like it, not because you, you, you said a prayer. Can you show me from the Bible that you're going to heaven? If you can't, let me tell you the good news. It would be our great privilege to show you from the Bible how you can know. You see, the witness of God is greater. How do I know that I'm going to heaven? Not because I feel like it. You know, there's some days I don't feel like I'm saved. Some days I wake up and I don't smell like I'm saved. There's some days I wake up and I don't look like I'm saved. But going to heaven is not based off of feelings. Going to heaven is not based off of what I do. Some people say, well, you're a preacher. Surely you're going to heaven. I'm a preacher because I'm going to heaven. I'm not a preacher in order to go to heaven. You see, I serve him because of what he's done, not in order to get something from him. Why am I going to heaven? Because there was a day I trusted in the promises of God because the witness of God is greater. So let me ask you once again, dear friend, are you 100% sure from the Bible that you're going to heaven? If you don't know from the Bible, if you can't tell me a Bible verse, if you can't tell me something about the Bible, how you know that you're going to heaven, dear friend, don't gamble with eternity. Let us have the privilege of taking the Bible and show you the witness of God, how you can have this eternal life. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.